listening to Resurrection Life Podcasts with your hosts, Father Steve Matson and Richard Budd, the podcast of the Church of the Resurrection in Lansing, Michigan. In today's episode, we talk about the new deanery arrangements for the diocese. We hear a reflection on the fear of God, and we listen to a song performed by Suzanne and J.P. Chernowski and Claire Belmont, I Wonder As I Wander. Welcome to Resurrection Life Podcast. back to another episode of um, Resurrection Life Podcast. This is your host, Richard Budd. And this is, as always. As always. <laughs> I just left it as just me today. It is Father Steve. Or should I say Father Steven? Last time, <laughs> made a big deal about Richard and yeah. Rich. I never call you Richard, but I'm going to start. Richard. No, you don't have to. <laughs> uh, I well, actually it, don't put that much thought into it. No, exactly. It, it, it's just, we're on autopilot and... Uh, Great. Uh, this is, I believe, our 50th episode. Is that 50. Right? Wow. 50. That's, uh, that's quite a number when you only do them every couple of weeks. I know. It's, it is. Thank you for uh, your work. You used to do a podcast with Craig Pohl and uh, Sean Costello. Now, now I, was he a deacon when you oh, started? Oh, no, he wasn't. He was yeah, deacon. He, he became deacon. Sean yeah. Costello, now Deacon Costello, who was our... My associate superintendent, then mm-hmm. an associate superintendent, then this superintendent here, then he moved to the Archdiocese of Detroit, and now he's headed, tell him where. Yeah, he uh, he's headed over to the Diocese of Winona, Rochester, Minnesota. Yeah, uh, for Bishop. Bishop Bob Barron. Yeah. Um, and, uh, well... Uh, He's got, I think there's some family in, in Wisconsin. Yeah, so, so they're going to be very close. Closer, yeah. yeah. Um, I think it's right on the border. Of Minnesota and Wisconsin, so he'll be closer to some of his in-laws, I yeah. think. So, yeah, God bless him. I was a little angry at him for for leaving us. Uh, well, he but, uh, he was a great. Uh, he really made it possible for me to be superintendent. So I hired him in my second year as superintendent. That first year, I was just trying to, as as they say, burn the candle at both ends. Being yeah. a pastor in Swartz Creek, just outside of Flint, and then. Uh, Come in three days a week and and work in long hours. It, it was not good. And with with his hire, mm-hmm. and he um, he's a skilled administrator, skilled administrator, and not afraid of uh, of of work. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's, that's for sure. So God bless Deshaun. Indeed, indeed, we'll miss him. Yeah. So speaking of kind of diocesan wide uh, news, we're, we're we're continuing on uh, the the work of of transitioning to the groupings and the deaneries. Um, yeah. When this comes out, I think we'll be like maybe ten days away from that officially being. That's right. We we we're recording this on the ninth, uh, the memorial of Saint Ephraim, uh, Doctor of the Church, and uh, we got notification of appointment letters yesterday in our e-news. So there's nine of us who have been appointed as deans of our respective deaneries and uh, will take uh, uh, over that responsibility effective July 1st. And so uh, we've been doing some training sessions as deans. It's just kind of an update on on where things go. We've had two uh, 10 to 4 training days uh, thus far, and we've got one more on the 29th, so just before we'll uh, take on that responsibility. And it's, it's, a, it's a great uh, group of priests. Uh, Bishop still has to find one for kind of the heart of Flint. He's still looking to, to fill that position. And, uh, but 
there is a, a sense of um, support and collaboration among the deans, and we've all met with our deaneries, uh, and those meetings went, uh, initial meetings went well. So I'm, I'm excited so, about it. So what is training like that look like? I mean, I, I, I guess it's not exactly the same thing. It's analogous, but I've often wondered, like, how does a bishop get trained to be a bishop? Like, so what is training? Well, and, and I, like? I probably shouldn't use the word training, but I do think it's orientation, formation, training. Sure. Uh, so a lot of it was, all right, what are your canonical responsibilities okay. and what are the limits of your authority? What are the authorities that you have? Make sure you're clear on what well, you kind of Exactly. Do. And and what we do when things aren't going well. So mm. we want these positions, the bishop and uh, the deans and the diocesan staff. Uh, Lisa Kudis as the chief of staff of the bishop, um, the vicar general, Father Tim McDonald, the vicar for clergy, Father Carl Pong. Uh, the vicar general, Father Tim, is the dean of the Jackson um, deanery. Uh, I think that's what it's called. The, there's... The names may change in the future, but uh, in any case, they want us to have these be more effective in moving toward forming missionary disciples at the parish level than the vicariate structure had been in the past. Mm-hmm. And the vicariate structure, there were seven vicariates uh, divided up, and basically we would meet four times a year, and we would have reports, and we'd share a meal together. But there was no coordinated pastoral work yeah, other like, than supporting hospital ministry and uh, the Catholic social services. It was like like kind of news sharing. Was exactly. Yeah. A lot of report outs, not work. Yeah. Together. A lot of times um, we uh, staff at the diocese would come to like update you guys on some new project we were working on or something like that because we and, had everybody in the same And I, I think we still want that, but I don't think we want to use our deanery meetings for that, but just to have other contexts within which maybe a, a Zoom conversation or a, a separate meeting where we can talk in more depth than can, so we can actually take what you've said and then think about it and what does it mean for us in terms mm-hmm. of ministry. Yeah. Not just, okay, thanks for sharing, mm-hmm. right? And then yeah, file, exactly. the, file the paper in a folder to be reviewed later, but it's never reviewed later. Mm-hmm. And, and I think from the chancery's perspective, that's actually really encouraging because a lot of times we're trying to come up with ideas and approaches to help the parishes and it's hard to get a hearing sometimes. And so we'll come up with this idea to support a ministry or whatever. And, you know, we basically, the only means we have of sharing it is like through an email or maybe through a vicariate meeting. And there's no real kind of approach to, okay, how are we going to consider this? Like what's, get some back and forth. Like what's the feedback? Um, So we're working on a few things in our marriage and family office that we're hoping will help, um, parishes practically address the needs of families that knock on the door. That's right. Um, but we're going to want to have some back and forth, some feedback um, about how best to, to implement that. So uh, I'm encouraged at this kind of approach of collaboration rather than just kind of... Yeah, when we met in, in our deanery meeting, so we, we talked about uh, things that we're excited about that are happening in our individual parishes, and that was a that was an opportunity for us to, to talk about the strengths uh, of our, our parishes, and then to talk about um, hopes that we have for this new structure, and then some concerns or questions or fears that, that might come up. And uh, it was good to, to have that uh, honest give and take and... Uh, we're we're going to be 
going through a, a process of strategic planning, which will be oriented toward the diocesan mm-hmm. pastoral plan, uh, which the chancery will will be part of that. Be part of that, and and we will meet uh, for day long sessions. The priests with a team from their individual parishes. Uh, over three months. And as I understand it, I think we're going to be looking at the results of, of DMI and then data in terms of trends for sacraments that the diocese has. So we're going to have a lot of information about our individual parishes and then also those in our group, parish group. And our group, again, just to remind you, is uh, Resurrection, the Cathedral, St. Andrew Dunlock, and St. Uh, Therese. We might know it as Teresa of Lisieux, but that's St. Therese for mm-hmm. the, the people who call that parish home. So that's our group. And then the other parishes in the deanery are uh, St. Thomas, St. John's, St. Mary Morris. That might be a little bit surprising to you, but we wanted every group or every parish to be in a group, and they are a part of a group with St. Thomas and St. John's, and then St. Martha's and St. Mary's in Williamson. So those so are kind the of the three eastern groups. side of Lansing. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. And central to east, yeah. Okay. Um, you know, you had just mentioned in some of your deanery meetings that you guys had had a chance to talk about um, the things that you're hopeful and the things that maybe you're fearful about. Could you? Would you mind kind of reviewing some of those specifics? Because I think whatever you priests are hopeful and fearful about, people in the par- pews might be hopeful and fearful about, and maybe like what the res- what the answers to those things were. Yeah, I, I would say that that most of the fears. Uh, were that that this might devolve into the old vicariate structure okay. and not have value added for the mission. Sure. That's, that, that's, that's part of it. The other thing is that, that uh, the, the parishes in the individual groups, there's three in our deanery, three groups, parish groups, used to be called groupings, but I said let's call them groups uh, in, in our deanery, is that everyone would... Uh, want to stay siloed as a parish. We can have silos within the parish, like we don't know what we're doing in terms of these sure. different ministries, but also this sense of, I want to be a one-stop shop parish. And instead of thinking about the fact that we can work collaboratively, promote each other's events. So uh, the, the fear is that some might be stuck or unwilling to work together for to do, as the original committee said, uh, Use more efficient use of the resources, so realigning resources for mission. Yeah. And uh, uh, so, I, I think a lot of this is going to be dependent upon prayerfulness and responsiveness and openness and being strategic about what we do as we meet together. And because uh, there has to be kind of that balance of the parish remaining its own identity, but then also being able to collaborate. Absolutely. With the other parishes in its group, so that it. Can so I think a lot of this has to do with with communication. Mm-hmm. We want to um, open up the communication uh, portal so that people, uh, like we had uh, the Whitson celebration, and there were uh, parishioners from and and uh, some clergy from those within our deanery, sure. and uh, and some within our group and deanery, mm-hmm. and uh, so it was good. Let's actually offer opportunities beyond the parish boundaries, even if you and I would identify with with this community most centrally. Mm-hmm. There might be something that's going on at St. Mary's that would be 
really well for us to promote sure. uh, either the cathedral or St. Mary's in Williamston. Well, and there's always kind of this balance that we have to have anyways as Catholics between being part of a specific community in a parish, but then also being part of the larger church in a in a diocese. That's right. Um, you know, when the catechism talks about what does the word church mean, um, it doesn't really talk about the building. Uh, I, uh, uh, interestingly enough, it talks about the local people in the parish. It talks about the diocese, and then it talks about the universal church. Right. And so we've got to kind of like live on all three of those levels. I'm not to get too too territorial or um, uh, too specific because we also live in a, in a more general... Well, and I, I think the, the reality of 2023 is very different from when uh, I was growing up in the 60s and 70s, um, where you went to your parish church, and mm-hmm. your parish church was territorial. And that's still the case, that, that parishes are territories, unless it's a personal parish like Cristo Rey, or like uh, St. Andrew Dunlock, or like Christ the King in Ann Arbor. Those are personal parishes that don't have a geographic territory, but mm. all the other, the globe itself is divided into parishes. Yeah, yeah, um, technically it is, but I feel like more and more Oh no, that days, we, we move beyond that yeah, sense. We, yeah, we, the, the practical way that people treat their parish is more like every parish is a personal parish. Well, and, and I think that what we're acknowledging with this new structure is uh, people are willing to drive past other parishes. Mm-hmm. So let's promote the events because what we want is growth. Mm-hmm. Uh, we want people to become disciples who are able to utilize their gifts for the building up of the kingdom of God and salvation of souls. And that's, that's, that's much more possible financially, resource-wise, working together than it is for an individual mm-hmm. parish, especially for a, a medium-sized parish, which is what we are here at Resurrection. Yeah, yeah, because the the only other option when it comes to like resource management, a lot of times is closing the parish or closing some parishes. That's right. Whereas now, if, if some resources and some uh, uh, things can be shared, then the smaller parishes can still remain open and minister to those of uh, that find a particular spiritual feeding there, without having to worry about maybe covering uh, mar- marriage prep. Uh, the the one or two marriages they have a year. That's right. That's right. And who are you going to tack that responsibility on? And and is it going to be done as well as it might be otherwise? Mm-hmm. You know, one of the things that we'll be doing in September, October, and November, uh, each parish will be a part of those strategic planning days. Uh, there'll be uh, three different locations, and uh, I think it's three locations. Mm-hmm. Maybe yeah, three locations, and. Uh, uh, the groups will gather at the same site with the other members of their deanery and also another deanery. There might be one that has three deaneries at it. But uh, So we're going to start looking at our own parish needs, and, and I think the second time we'll look at parish group needs, and then we'll look at it at the deanery level. Oh, and so kind of great. put those into focus. And the diocese is going to give us some instruments to think about and, and question. We'll look at our own needs and our priorities, but we also want to be aligned to the priorities that the bishop and the chancery staff have. Yeah, the, the benefit, we actually met as a chancery staff for our day of reflection yesterday. And one of the things that we were trying to, to be reminded of ourselves is that at the chancery, we have kind of the 30,000-foot whole diocese view. And sometimes when you're at that level, you lose sight of the on-the-ground Right. 
Um, but the opposite problem can happen when you're always on the ground, you kind of can lose sight of the big picture. And so it's good to have good collaboration and communication between the two so that we can best serve the parish and the parish can be best more in line with the vision of the whole diocese and the bishop. One of the things that, that I'm, uh, I'm excited about is, is the resources we have through the DMI survey, which is limited anecdotal. Uh, I mean, it's, it's limited. Uh, it doesn't give us the anecdotal. I mean, so we don't, we don't know how that's fleshed out. We've got some data. Uh, and I, I think the, the diocese is going to formulate some, uh, some questions, some evaluation tools for us to use as we think about how we're doing. It's not... It's like and not like uh, an accreditation that we would have for a school. So what's your self-study look like? What, mm-hmm. what Are you evaluating things or are you just letting things keep going the yeah, way they've been just going? Flowing right? around, kind of and so along. I think having a, a tool, some kind of tool for self-evaluation and then have some other people come in, not in the sense of visitation, threatening visitation, mm-hmm. but uh, kind of confirming what, you're seeing, and then providing another perspective on it. I think that that can help us be uh, more forward-looking and also uh, take the chance of being critical of ourselves where we're not meeting the goals that we already had or not meeting goals that we ought to be pursuing. Mm-hmm. So where we stand now, what are your hopes um, for, the, for the future of resurrection? And then maybe after you answer that, what are your hopes for Catholics living in the wider kind of West Lansing area. Yeah, yeah. So not, not, east, not east, yeah, east, east of Lansing. So a couple of things. One, and I want to say one of the fears that the priests uh, had was uh, that we might try to do too much too fast. Yeah, for sure. Right, right. And so, so that sense of we want to move forward with all deliberate speed, that doesn't mean with all the speed possible. And so we want to make sure we're not going to tax priest, we also need to be mindful of the fact that all of the deans have a parish that they're responsible mm-hmm. for. Some deans, like myself, are also the parish group leader, so yeah. the group leader, the parish pastor, uh, group leader, and uh, dean. Uh, and so we want to make sure that we're, we're moving steadily forward, but not at a pace that would... Uh, Cause us to say this is too much work, right? You start dropping uh, yeah, other responsibilities. That's right, that's right. So you ask for hopes for resurrection. I think um, if I had to um, kind of list them out, and this is just uh, kind of from my my heart right now, it, it is I want to continue to foster the kind of community that that we've been focusing on, and I've already shared this in anecdotes here or there to create opportunities uh, for cultural events like Whitson and and Twelfth Night uh, more often than twice a year, not necessarily at our parish, but to make it available to members of the parish. So uh, maybe a a family uh, barn dance or Kaylee, that there would be an opportunity for fellowship. And I'm also mindful of the, the young men and women who desire to meet other young men and women. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know there was an event at IHM uh, this past month. Or was it in June or was it in May? It was in May. In I spoke May. at it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I, I heard that that was, that was good. And whether, whether that's the way we want to go, it was a, um, what's it called? Uh, it was a speed dating. Speed dating. <laughs> and, you know, 
that may not be the best. I I would also like to uh, you know create opportunities for service projects where young men and women and families can can actually work alongside each other and yeah. see each other kind of in practice instead of uh, you know how are you at at two minutes of conversation across a desk, right? Mm-hmm. There may be a lot more substance than is possible, especially for those who are introverted. Sure. Right? So anyway, the, we, we, can, we can talk about that. I, but I, am, I'm, I want to figure out ways to foster families because that's the, the foundation of the culture. Uh, I also think that we want to make sure that people are learning how to use their gifts and we can find a way to plug them in to ministry so that yeah. they that, that it isn't being an extraordinary minister or a lector or an usher or a member of the knights or the altar and all of those are very good but it's out there using your gifts for hospitality some are using those for music so figuring out how to do that more effectively and uh, I also think we need to do a better job of helping people know how to witness to their faith and share the faith with people who I think are going to become increasingly hungry for the Word of God. Okay. So that's what we're going to be uh, moving forward in the, the parish. Um, do you have any hopes for the, the region? Well, Specific? I, 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 yeah, and, and I'm sorry, I didn't, uh, I didn't uh, distinguish sufficiently between those. So the, the, the cultural events, I think, are oh, really okay, at, a, at okay. a deanery level. Sure. Uh, I think also at a, at a group level, but I see that more likely to happen at the deanery level just to be able to do that. One of the things that I'm excited about are some initial conversations that I'm having with um, Dominic Ioko, the president of Lansing Catholic, Father Joe Campbell, who is the uh, chaplain there, um, and uh, F- Father Jim Rolfe at IHM. He's the dean of that. I think it's called Western Deanery, which is South Lansing and West Lansing area, uh, Charlotte, Mason, uh, Grand Ledge, um, and St. Gerard. Uh, and in any case, uh, about figuring out how to collaborate for youth ministry uh, in events that are actually larger than uh, one or two parishes can, can pull together and sure. have those on a monthly basis and then foster small groups for that are, that are, they freely choose to be a part of the small group. It's not we're forcing it, but it's an, we're, we're making it available. So and I'm small excited. Small groups for like teens? Yep, teens. That's great. So middle school events, uh, small groups, at least at the high school level, perhaps at the, at the middle school age as well. Yeah. Well, I, th- I think that's important because um, as we've been in this parish now seven years, when we came, it was a bunch of kind of younger kids. And now we're seeing all these yeah. uh, middle school and high school kids. And... Um, that's a, a transition period where they've got to start to experience their faith independently from That's their right. family. Yeah. And that needs um, some studies that I've seen about that is they, they need to experience other adults besides their parents. I think the number was like five. Five adults who are dedicated to their faith that are not their parents. And if they do that, then that transition to adult faith is much more smooth. Because they've been apprenticed by other it, adults, it, it makes sense. Yeah. Uh, and in times past, uh, the the worldview of the culture was, for the most part, Christian. Sure. 
So people in the neighborhood were that group, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. So well, that's why so, Catholic schools are so important because they're encountering principals and teachers who are absolutely. adults that and, and frankly, other parents who are sending their exactly. kids to those same schools. Yeah. You know, I remember uh, more than once being corrected by uh, the Derminskys across yeah. the street, <laughs> and 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 when when Mrs. Derminsky said. Helen Terminsky, uh, she said, Stephen Matthew. Oh, and she, she called my middle name, right? She, you stopped that. All right, well, okay, I've, I've been called out. And uh, that's fine. That's how it was. Oh, yeah, we told our, we've told our neighbors, if you see our kids doing something they shouldn't be, you, you can tell them, you know, go and back obvious, home. And obviously we can have the meddlesome parent who wants to parent the children for sure. the, the next-door neighbor. But, but this is, we are... Uh, it is good to have others who are invested mm-hmm. in our children. Yeah. All right. Well, periodically we'll we'll check in on the the progress of the groupings and the deaneries um, to make sure that everybody's informed. But we just and, wanna... and I just invite you all uh, to pray for us. Um, the last session of uh, dean orientation or formation will be on the 29th, at least the, the last provisional one, and then we'll continue to meet. Uh, at least on a quarterly basis with Bishop Boyer and uh, Lisa Kudis, who's the chief of staff, and Father Carl Pung, who's the vicar for clergy, um, will be meeting with us as well. Uh, and just pray for us that we would uh, be wise about how to proceed and that there would be an openness to the Lord's promptings to do his will rather than ours. All right. Well, for another week, this is Rich. And Father Steve. God bless. Proverbs 9.10 tells us, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. But what exactly is fear of God? In the following reflection from Sean O'Neill, we explore the meaning of fear of God and how it is ultimately the fruit of love of God. Fear of God God is love. His love is unconditional, and he has compassion on us in our weakness. He sees our human nature and understands our experience of life because Jesus lived as a man himself. He sympathises with us in our struggles. He tries to woo us by his love and capture us with his mercy. He wants us to return his love and experience the delight that he has in us. However, that does not mean that God is soft. He's not weak and indulgent. He is the Lord of the universe, and we should, in a certain sense, fear him. According to St. Thomas Aquinas, we should fear God partly because we love him and tremble in case we offend him and reject his love. But we should also fear God because we are sinful and rightly deserve punishment for our faults. God's mercy is abundant, and so we have reasons for hope in it. He's rich in mercy, but he's also just, and when we die, we will have to undergo a personal judgment. There will come a time when we will have to receive the recompense for the kind of life we have lived, good or bad. In the Catechism, section 2840, we read, This outpouring of mercy cannot penetrate our hearts as long as we have not forgiven those who have trespassed against us. Love, like the body of Christ, is indivisible. 
We cannot love the God we cannot see if we do not love the brother or sister we do see. In refusing to forgive our brothers and sisters, our hearts are closed and their hardness makes them impervious to the Father's merciful love. But in confessing our sins, our hearts are opened to his grace. So one of the reasons for fearing God is because he is perfectly capable of denying us his mercy if we don't extend forgiveness to anyone and everyone who has offended us. Think about that for a moment. It means if we want to be forgiven ourselves and have a chance of getting into heaven, we must forgive those who have damaged us, abused us, destroyed our reputation, harmed us physically, acted unjustly towards us, stolen from us, exposed us to ridicule, stunted our ability to function in a healthy way as we go through life, or withheld from us the love that we deserved. St Thomas Aquinas makes the distinction between servile fear and filial fear. Fear of God is more akin to the respect that a son or daughter has to their father than that of a slave to a master. In other words, fear of God is an expression of the love that we bear towards him rather than simply a craven terror of punishment. In the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 10, Jesus tells us, And do not fear those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul. Rather, fear him who can destroy both soul and body in hell. Fear of God is, in part, an acknowledgement of how powerful and mighty and immense he is. We should not take his love for granted. Presumption is a sin against hope and shows a lack of fear of God. Presumption is the error that we can sin freely and offend God, knowing that he is merciful and will forgive us. God does forgive if we are repentant, but if we don't repent or repent with the intention of sinning again, then how can he forgive us? This attitude of presumption demonstrates an inaccurate picture of God's mercy and love. He is merciful, but also just. Some people assume that everyone, except perhaps really evil people, will go to heaven. But as Jesus tells us, enter through the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the road broad that leads to destruction, and those who enter through it are many. There is a certain healthy anxiety we should have about where we will eventually end up. We should not go through life blithely doing what we want, sinning in many ways, holding resentments against others, indulging our lusts and cravings, stealing, being dishonest, gossiping, leading others astray into a life of sin, and assume that God will just overlook these faults. So just as St. Paul advises us in Philippians 2.12, we should work out our salvation with fear and trembling. On the one hand, some people dread the final judgment and what it will mean for them. They fear punishment for their sins. But on the other hand, the last judgment is a sign of hope, since it will also bring justice for those who have been oppressed, bullied, disenfranchised, deprived or sinned against. God is particularly strict when it comes to forgiveness. Jesus tells us, 
If you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive yours. In other words, God's mercy has limits. But there is a way that we can set our minds at ease with regard to the mighty power of God and the fact that he holds our fate in his hands, as it were, and that is through repentance. God's mercy is ever-present for those who come to him and repent for the sins they have committed. And that requires humility on our part. Many of us may go through life believing that we are in control of what happens to us. We try to plan our lives and try to arrange our circumstances to our best advantage. But ultimately, God is the one who is in charge. He is the one who is in control of all the details of our existence. When we come to him in humility and acknowledge that he is the Lord, he rushes to our aid. It's that same humility that is needed for us to come to him with our burden of sin, repent and ask his forgiveness. As Mary prayed in the Magnificat, he has performed mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. He has brought down rulers from their thrones, but has lifted up the humble. It's that humility before God that is needed for true fear of God. But ultimately the fear of God should give way to love of God. Yes, God is almighty, powerful and awe-inspiring, but he's also a God of love and we are his beloved children. When we receive God's love and love him back, we will do everything not to harm that relationship. We will seek to avoid sin and to grow in virtue, not primarily out of fear of punishment, but out of love. St John explains the primacy of love over fear in his first letter. Here's what he says. In this way, love has been perfected among us, so that we may have confidence on the day of judgment. For in this world, we are just like him. There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear, because fear involves punishment. The one who fears has not been perfected in love. At the end of the play, A Man for All Seasons, St Thomas More is about to be unjustly beheaded, and he turns to his executioner and says, Friend, be not afraid of your office. You sent me to God. At which Cranmer, the Archbishop of Canterbury, comments, You're very sure of that, Sir Thomas. Thomas More replies, He will not refuse one who is so blithe to go to him. St Thomas's life was marked by love of God, love of neighbour and humility, and that's what gave him the confidence in God's mercy towards him at the end. So yes, we should fear God, reverence him, be humble and repent when we sin. But we should also know that we are precious to him, that he will not abandon us, and that above all he loves us. That's what gives us confidence, peace and joy. Fear of God is an expression of love. Let's pray. Lord, our Father, you are Lord of the universe and we rightly revere you. Teach us to cultivate a proper fear of God so that we may not stray into sin, abandon your ways and be lost forever. 
Help us to work out our salvation in fear and trembling, but always remembering that you love us, that you are merciful, and that you are always ready to forgive our sins and take us back. Amen. We finish this episode with a song performed by Suzanne and J.P. Chernowski and Claire Belmont. I wonder as I wander.
Hope you've enjoyed this episode of Resurrection Life Podcast. Please tune in next time for more conversation, reflections, and Catholic culture. We'd love to hear from you. If you'd like to drop us a line to give us feedback or suggest future topics to feature, write us at podcast at corelancing.org. You can find the Church of the Resurrection online at corelancing.org. Thanks for listening, and God bless.